Welcome to your New Mexico government. I'm your host, Kaleole Colota. It's time to take a look at how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting people currently in Immigration and Customs Enforcement Detention Center. We're all experiencing this pandemic together, but we're not experiencing it the same way. That concept has been one of the main drivers of this show over the last couple of weeks. Today, we're focusing on migrants and refugees in our communities and on ICE detention facilities. This is about humans and doing what is right. Coming up, I talk with Congressional Rep. Deb Holland, immigration attorneys and activists. Up first, executive producer Marisa DeMarco has a news update of what we know Thursday, April 9th, as of 5 p.m. Many people in the country who are frontline workers or people who have just been laid off will not get those stimulus checks that are coming down from the federal government. Anyone who pays taxes with an individual taxpayer identification number, an ITIN, instead of a Social Security number will not be getting that money. And anyone with a Social Security number who files taxes jointly with someone who has an ITIN, their whole family is also not eligible. This will impact an estimated 16.7 million people around the country roughly half of whom do have social security numbers. There have been COVID cases cropping up in detention centers across the country, including people who are detained and staff members. And one center in Florida is facing a full-on outbreak, according to yesterday's Miami Herald, with 238 people in quarantine after being exposed at the Chrome Detention Center. People who are detained in Texas have been protesting and going on hunger strikes, according to the Texas Observer, and there's been more staff violence in those detention centers, too. The ACLU of New Mexico issued a news release yesterday calling federal, state, and county leaders' response to concerns about the ICE detention centers in the state inadequate. New Mexico Senator Tom Udall wrote a letter today to Homeland Security and ICE imploring them to release people from detention, citing a, quote, deep public health threat, overcrowding, and a lack of humane hygiene and sanitation. Senator Martin Heinrich, in a written statement, is calling for an investigation into ICE detention centers about preparation, equipment, and policies. For your New Mexico government, I'm Marisa DeMarco. Arifa Raza is a supervising attorney at the New Mexico Immigrant Law Center. The center provides all kinds of services to folks in this region. One thing is that they do legal orientations for people inside the Cibola ICE detention facility here in the state. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. So there's often a lot of overcrowding going on in ICE facilities. Do you think that that makes this an especially grave concern at this time? Oh, definitely. As we know, ICE has had a long history of just negligent treatment of detainees. So especially now with this pandemic, we're really worried that it'll just turn out really bad. And actually, just today, we found out there is one confirmed COVID case in the Otero Detention Center. Yeah, that's scary because there are kids, pregnant women, grandparents in ICE detention. And these folks are mostly asylum seekers. The political rhetoric around this can be very, very ugly. You know, How do you appeal to the humanity and folks so they can see this situation clearly? Most of the people that end up in detention centers, especially here in New Mexico, are asylum seekers. They're fleeing persecution, torture. They're leaving their whole lives to seek refuge here in the United States. But once they get here, they are faced with legal violence, with physical violence, with this inhumane treatment just because they're seeking a new life. The other thing is, by detaining people, ICE is unnecessarily risking the lives of not just asylum seekers or the people that are being detained 
detained, but also the employees of the facilities and then the New Mexican public because, you know, people are coming in and out of these detention centers. Hmm. Now, do you think the ICE medical staff in these places, do you think they're equipped to handle a COVID case if there's an outbreak? To be completely honest, we have sent requests to meet with ICE, to meet with the facilities, to find out what procedures they have, what protocols they have in place, because we don't believe that ICE would be able to manage. To your knowledge, is ICE doing anything differently now with medical care? I mean, ICE has issued some guidance on their public website saying that, you know, they're monitoring things. They will quarantine people off. Uh, If someone needs acute medical care, they will transfer them out to the closest hospital in the region. But whether or not those things will actually take place, we don't know. What are your biggest concerns for your clients right now? Well, the first thing is their well-being. We want to make sure that they're safe. We want to make sure that they're getting the care that they need, all the protective supplies that they need, like soap, hand sanitizer. The second thing is we want to make sure that they have continued access to legal information and to their attorneys, because right now is a time that ICE is using this pandemic to limit access with attorneys. Now, is there anything that people, our audience and listeners can do to help? Well, right now, I think is a good time to educate the New Mexican public about what's going on in these detention centers, but also to act and actually call the ICE field office. So call ICE and demand the release of asylum seekers um, and other immigrant detainees, and also just to really push for closing down these facilities. Yeah, it's an issue that needs to get addressed. I want to thank you so much. She's Afria Rasa. She is with the New Mexican Immigrant Law Center. Thank you so much for being on the show. Will you promise to come on the show a little bit later so we can have some updates? Of course, whenever you want. Excellent. We'll hit you up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Representative Deb Holland joined a coalition of Congress people on Wednesday in calling for the release of nonviolent people who are being detained to ease overcrowding during the pandemic. Representative Holland is with me now. Thank you for being with me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for talking about this important topic. Let me ask, how are you feeling? How is your family feeling? I am very well. Thank you so much. Everyone in my family is well also. I'm grateful. Yes, that's good to hear. Now, reports are starting to emerge of people who are inside ICE detention facilities around the country testing positive for COVID-19. In fact, there was a report of a person testing positive here in New Mexico today. ICE is releasing people on a case-by-case basis. Is that enough, given overcrowding of these facilities, the bad medical care, the shortage of supplies nationwide, and the urgency of the situation? Is that enough? When you say case-by-case basis, I, you know, I can't even imagine how long that takes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We need to stop the spread of this virus. That is our top priority in this country, in this entire country. And that includes our immigrant communities. We do ourselves a disservice by not paying attention to this issue because it spreads like wildfire. Like wildfire. In fact, one man from Otero County Detention Center reported today that a young boy in a cell they shared with 40 others went into convulsions and was later diagnosed with having COVID. Have you heard of, have you or your staff heard of any new cases in New Mexican detention centers? That's the reason why we joined this letter. That's the reason why we're advocating for these folks to be released. Yeah. What would you like to see happen? The most important thing right now is to stop the spread of this virus. 
We found out when we were advocating for this to prevent this outbreak in these areas, the DHS department staff provided a briefing to committee staff on March 20th, and it only exacerbated our concerns for the safety and well-being of the detainees. ICE officials then conceded during the briefing that they didn't have a contingency plan for coronavirus treatment if local hospitals became overwhelmed. Hmm. And that's exactly what's been happening across the country, right? We've been talking about human rights violations and terrible conditions inside ICE detention facilities for years. Little action's been Mm -hmm. taken to improve the situation. So this is sort of like a ticking time bomb. Is there anything at all that Congress can do to change that in the way so ICE can be ordered by someone other than the president, his administration, or a judge to address these problems? We're not necessarily having hearings, but we're having meetings Mm -hmm. over Zoom and over conference calls. You know, if we were in session right now, The Oversight Committee would require ICE to come before us in a hearing, right? Mm -hmm. The Oversight Committee, nonetheless, uh, we can demand answers. We can keep hammering on them to do what they need to do Mm -hmm. to, to act on this issue. What are you and your colleagues in D.C. developing in terms of ideas for the future? There's a new normal now, one that has not yet been defined. People want more equity, inclusion, opportunity, and rights. Are you and your colleagues creating or even listening to new ideas of how to approach these issues that we face once we beat back the pandemic? Everybody should be able to go to a doctor when they are sick. That has been highlighted, if nothing else has, during this pandemic. We need more equity. It is too inequitable. So a lot of these issues, yes, we're taking them to heart. And we're working hard. She is the representative, one of the congressional representatives for the state of New Mexico. Representative Deb Holland, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, too. You bet. Take care. Allegra Love is an attorney and the director of the Santa Fe Dreamers Project, which has represented many transgender asylum seekers housed in a special ICE detention pod in New Mexico. Allegra, thank you for being with me today. You're very welcome. So let me ask you, how's your health? How's your family's health? I'm fine. Thank you. I have a sister who's working on the front lines of the medical crisis in Boston, but she's doing well and she's staying safe. And so I'm really proud of her. Good. Now, you work closely with people who are detained. Have you heard from folks who are in ICE detention and what is it like in there right now? My organization works really closely with people detained all over the United States. And we are having our clients and the people we're supporting in detention calling and pleading with us for their lives. They're reporting that they have absolutely no access to good information about this virus, that they don't have protective equipment, they don't have access to the right sanitation. They're still eating and sleeping shoulder to shoulder with one another, that there are sick people, that they they have no opportunity for social distancing. Most of the people we talk to are terrified, just like so many people are in our in our country. I think it's important when people think about this and, and reflect on it. Imagine how scared we all are right now for ourselves and our families and our bodies. And the two things we're being told to do is wash our hands and stay far apart from one another. And those two very simple things that we can do to feel in control of our own bodies during this pandemic, people in detention can't do. That's upsetting. And it hurts. It hurts me personally to hear those type of things. So what do you make of local politicians' actions on this thus far? Have you seen much? 
we worked with ACLU and New Mexico Immigrant Law Center to send letters, basically asking county managers, county commissioners, public health officials, our congressional delegates, our um, governor. We've been saying, you know, we need to understand the plan. Right now, we have a public health crisis unfolding in our state, and then we have a potential crisis within a crisis when this pandemic hits the insides of our jails and detention centers. And we would like some leadership and some public education and some transparency about how this pandemic is going to be managed for people who are confined in our state. Now, ultimately, they can't release people. That's ICE's determination. That's ICE's sole discretion. But there are things that our leaders can do, especially to help us understand what the response will be if these people needed to be moved into our community hospitals, and also in educating the public about the facts around this. And we've gotten an extremely disappointing response from our leaders. Essentially, just being like, there's nothing we can do. This is ISIS problem. So what is there anything that people can do to help? Are we powerless? No, we're not powerless as a public, but we have to raise our voices and make really, really clear that we need action immediately to bring ICE under control. And we have to remember how, like, democracy works, even if we can at this point in our country. But that, like, unless we raise our voices and tell our leaders what is a priority to us, they will not act. We're going to be working on setting out scripts of how you can talk to your our leaders about this. The other thing is what organizations like ours and the ACLU, really all over the country, what we're doing is taking this information to district court judges in federal court and getting restraining orders against ICE, getting federal judges to order ICE to release people because they are putting their lives in danger. Allegra, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. I want to thank you for your hard work, and I'm totally in awe and honor of your passion about this. She's Allegra Love, director of the Santa Fe Dreamers Project. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. We submitted a request to interview someone from Immigration and Customs Enforcement about detention during the pandemic. They declined, saying they're not doing interviews on this topic at this time. We're going to keep hitting them up. Marian Mendez Serra is a community organizer with El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos, where she's focused on workers' justice and civil rights. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for inviting me. As you know, El Centro is an immigrant rights and workers' justice organization. We are grassroots and we are member-led. So a lot of the folks that are directly impacted are the ones that are leading our efforts and part of our campaigns for advocacy and for immigrant rights. We need that perspective Big time. Now, are you still able to reach out to the people you serve? We are an organization that has a social justice lens. And so we do advocacy. We do everything for relational organizing to push for policy, but for changes. Um, We do work with service uh, providing um, organizations on the legal angle um, to provide those needs for communities. As a whole, we have educational programs in which we engage we are community members in order to get politicized, right, and start learning more about injustices and how to do systemic change. And to answer your question, we have been using, we've been creative, right, about using technology. And as you might know, for many immigrant communities, um, it is hard uh, to access technology. 
uh, especially when they're not heavy on tech. And so it has been challenging, but it's not impossible. Tell me about what kind of processes have slowed, maybe legal processes or aid or education. What has slowed during the pandemic that creates problems for these communities? In New Mexico, we saw, right, the education, right, the classes were closed. Many folks around the community are seeing now difficult times. Common questions, right, of would I be able to provide food at the table today for my children? Would I be able to pay the rent next month or even this week? Would I be able to pay my bills? If I get sick, would I have access to health care? Would I be able to have access to a testing? Being in this country undocumented, we always have this question of whether tomorrow it's even guaranteed. But even during this crisis, this sense of uncertainty definitely speaks volumes. And we're seeing our state stepping up. It's important for our communities to know even when we're hearing right about relief packages at the federal level, that our state and our cities at the local level can do so much to actually provide relief for all. And in addition, immigrant workers, right, are currently in the front lines. Consider, quote unquote, essential workers, right, actively responding to the needs from working in the healthcare, from the cleaning industry, childcare, domestic workers, and all aspects of the food chain as well, but which workers are situated in key industries and are more crucial than ever in the times of crisis. But many national relief efforts are leaving many of our communities behind. Many local and state relief efforts are super essential at this moment. They are very essential. And what we're seeing now is a lot of people are having those uncertain questions. Some people for the first time, how am I going to put food on the table for my family? How am I going to pay rent this week or next month? Certain sects of our population have been having those questions for their entire lives. Other people are brand new to those types of questions. And if there's anything that lets people see the basic human connector of this entire problem is that we are all one. We are all connected. It doesn't take much, obviously, to have people seeing this uncertainty. What can our listeners do right now to help? So this is hitting really hard low-income people the hardest, but especially, particularly people of color. Whenever we're having conversations with our elected officials, it is important to talk about what about those that are marginalized, right? What about those that don't have access? What about those that don't have the privilege of being a citizen or the privilege of having a social security number? This conversation needs to be rounded around how do we move forward together and realizing that to lessen the curve, all families must be included. You can't have the undocumented immigrant that's working, right, as a home health care aide without access to paid sick leave, without access to paid family leave, without access to financial stability, without access to unemployment. Because when one person is literally falling through the cracks, we are all exposed and at risk. We need to come to that state of mind, that realizing that it's all of us. It takes all of us to fix this pandemic crisis that we're all experiencing. It's an awakening that we all have to get real on and make action and not just talk. I want to thank you so much for joining me and being on the show. Marian Mendez Serra, she is with El Centro de Igualdad y Derechos. Thank you so much. Will you come back on the show to give us updates? We'll definitely be more than welcome to it. 
This is Your NM Government. I'm your host, Khalil Ekolota. We're covering the way the virus and health measures are impacting people differently around the state. Stay tuned in every weeknight at 7.30 p.m. You can find all those episodes online at KUNM.org. On tomorrow's episode, The Lost Arts... What do artists, musicians, and performers do in a time of social distancing? How will this affect the arts? Are you developing your artistic side? Tomorrow, we look into COVID-19 in the arts. We also have some cocktail tips. It's the weekend, of course, and part two of my conversations with friends and family about our current times. Tune in at 7.30 p.m., 89.9 KUNF. Nkaze Sinandele is the president of the Immigrant and Refugee Resource Village of Albuquerque, which fights for justice and empowerment of African migrants, refugees, and asylum seekers in the state. Nkaze, thank you so much for being with me today. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, as of this afternoon, your husband, Lungile, who works with you, is trying to help a family from Africa from being evicted. The state Supreme Court already put a halt to these. How and why is this still happening? I think that some people maybe are not informed or maybe they're just being impossible. And especially when they know that the families that we will serve, most of them don't even speak English. And most of them don't even know the policies. And most of them, to tell you the truth, even though they may have a TV in their homes, they do not really like watch news. And uh, so that means that they are really like cut out of whatever is happening, especially this time. You know, they may not speak English. They may not watch the news or understand what the policies are, but I'm sure the owners of the property very well understood what the policies are. It is horrible, and I want to believe that there's people who just, I know that with our African community, there are people who just don't like us, but they will take our money, we'll pay rent, they'll take the money, not that they really care about us, let me put it that way, so... That's one thing I would say, because I don't see how someone could do that, knowing that they're not supposed to evict anyone at this time. Yeah, I don't see it either. That's a that's a huge problem. Tell us all a little bit more about the families and the people you work with. As far as they like, for instance, the COVID-19, seemingly the students before the schools closed, the students were kind of like really educated about coronavirus. And so the young people who go to school are able to at least teach their families but sometimes, depending on where we come from, from our countries, for the older folks, it's hard to believe that things like that are happening. We maybe don't take things seriously. But overall, with the help of eight community leaders, are trusted messengers. So they are able to at least try to go to their homes and give flyers in their languages. Even though some of these families, most of them, the adults don't read. Even some of the students, even though they go to Highland High School, they speak English, but they don't read. But they will try, you know, to help them so that they can understand what is going on with the coronavirus and how to prevent themselves from getting sick. So that's a challenge that our community has. We know a lot of people are not going to get those stimulus checks that are supposed to be heading our way sometime this month. Is that true for the people you work with? And how does that change the survival conversation? With our community, there are people who have lost their jobs and so they are already not working. And so they are being helped by human services and other refugee serving organizations to apply for unemployment. 
There are people who have been here maybe, let's say, for three or five years and have worked and they claim taxes. So those will get their monies. But there are people who have recently arrived, have not really worked and are not going to file taxes. They won't get that stimulus check. So those are the ones that organizations have to look out for and find ways to support them because they're going to struggle. Well, what are some ways that our listeners can help these organizations to help people? Mostly everybody now is doing GoFundMe campaigns, but... But I think that if people want to help, they need to Google and find out which organizations are serving refugees, immigrants and asylum seekers. And then find out from those people what they can help with. There's maybe about 12 organizations who are serving refugees, immigrants and asylum seekers. And every organization is doing their own thing to raise funds. You know, some organizations have money, some like ours, we have no funding, we're kind of like really struggling. So we have to find ways to get people to help us support these families. Well, hopefully this is one of those ways. Will you promise to be on the show again so we could talk about the update with this family we mentioned at the top of the interview and the families in general? Yes, anytime. Thank you so much. Mariano Ruiz Angel is the coordinator of Albuquerque's Office of Immigrant and Refugee Affairs, which aims to support immigrants and resettled refugees in the city. Thank you so much for being with us, Mariela. Thank you so much. Let me ask you, as I ask most people, how are you feeling? How's your family doing? I am feeling very fortunate. I'm feeling very grateful to be healthy. I'm very, very happy to hear that. Now, according to your knowledge, has ICE continued to bring people in during the pandemic? So according to my understanding, we are still continuing to see arrests and detainment across the nation from ICE. Um, As they have said, although they have given reassurances that they would not be arresting just anyone, they were going to go after criminals, we still have seen an increase of arrest and detainment, regardless of whether or not you have prior convictions or not. So they're still detaining people almost dispassionately. They claim they're going after criminals, but we're seeing that non-criminals are being arrested and detained and knowing that they're getting put into very dangerous situations, particularly in these detention centers. Let me ask you, what is the city doing to get the word out about coronavirus to migrants and refugees in the city in Albuquerque? Well, I will say we are definitely pushing hard, specifically because we know that we have a minority-majority community um, with many Spanish-speaking individuals. And so one of the big things we had to push for before this COVID-19 pandemic started was we had started to implement language access across the entire city. And so in hindsight, if I had known we were going into COVID-19, you know, we would have tried to make this happen before that. But even as we go into this, the city has been fantastic about making sure that we are offering language interpretation on our phone calls, that we are trying to get all vital documents translated. So tell me, what's the most pressing need in your eyes for the community? I think right now the most pressing need given our current circumstances at a federal, state, and local level is, one, as much information that we can get. And then the second thing that I think cities across the nation are really starting to try to figure out how are we going to address the inevitable, which is that these families are going to be in danger. We're going to see how we make this work for everybody. She is Mariela Ruiz-Angel. She is the coordinator for Albuquerque's Office of Immigrant and Refugee Affairs. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing, and thank you with being on the show. Can we have you on in the future for updates? Of course. Thank you so much. 
That's all for today, but be sure we are going to revisit this topic very soon. You can find the full list of the resources we talk about on each episode and opportunities to donate or help online at bit.ly slash ynmghub. To help the movement to free people from ICE detention facilities, head to detentionwatchnetwork.org. To help out families locally, you can go to nmdreamteam.org. Support all the nonprofits out there in any way that you can. In closing, this is a huge topic and a serious health situation for a lot of people. Tune in next Thursday when we follow up on ICE detention and immigrants and refugees. But I'll leave you with this. We're all human beings. Each of us faces the challenge of living life. Although no two lives are the same, they are both alike and they must be honored. Now is not the time for politics. Now is the time for humanity to evolve. Your New Mexico government is executive produced by Marisa DeMarco. It's produced by yours truly. News update by Marisa DeMarco. A very large amount of props to Taylor Velasquez and KUNM News Director Hannah Colton for putting in the editing work. Theme music by Pope Yes, Yes, Y'all. Hear us all week long on KUNM's Airwaves at 7.30 p.m. Online, you can find the show on KUNM.org or subscribe, subscribe, subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your New Mexico government is a collaboration between KUNM, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our coverage is provided in part by the Thornburg Foundation and the New Mexico Local News Fund. For everyone here at your New Mexico government, I'm Khalil A. Colonna. Thanks for listening. And maybe they didn't cut my name off this time. We'll see you tomorrow.